John, let's look ahead to 2024. John? John? Our good buddy there, John Arad. Andrew, Andrew, I'm still here. One more show. One more show to go. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Looking ahead to 2024. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, a lot to look forward to in 2024, uh, but we should just start with who's up and who's down, no? Yeah, let's do it, man. Who's up? Who's down? All right, John, why don't you lead us off? All right, our who's up and who's down is about who we think is going to be up and down for 2024. And I'm going to give my who's up to Molly Solomon. Molly is the executive producer and president of NBC Olympics, and she is going to be responsible for everything you see on screen about the Olympics. I think she's great. She was a coordinating producer of the Olympics under Dick Ebersol, of course. She went on to the Golf Channel, where uh, she was executive producer. And then, Andrew, she came back to the Olympics in 2019, and this is what she got. The COVID Summer of Olympics in Tokyo, Another COVID Olympics, this time the winter ones in Beijing. I think they were probably the two worst Olympics of my life, both in terms of viewership, in terms of the difficulties about producing those games. So this coming summer, the Olympics are going to rebound in a in a gigantic way. They're going to be in Paris. Molly Solomon is going to have a lot more viewers taking a look at what she's able to do and, and what, what she does. I think the Olympics haven't been a big deal since 2016. That's when they were in Rio. They're going to be a really big deal this year. They're going to be a really big deal in 2026 when the winter ones are in Milan. And then you get the granddaddy of them all in 2028 when they come back uh, to Los Angeles. Uh, so this summer, easiest prediction to make, look for viewership to be up big time. It's going to be up huge because it's going to be in in uh, in Paris, which is a, a much better venue uh, for the American TV audiences. Uh, the quality, I'm sure, is going to be fantastic. I have no doubt that Molly and her team are going to shine. My who's up is Greg Olson for 2024. Say, wait, what? Tom Brady is expected to arrive in September, the $375 million man to take Olsen's job. Olsen who's making around $10 million a year. is going to go down to the number two team uh, and lose a lot of money, $3 million a year around there uh, to be on the number two team. But I honestly think that Olsen is in a tremendous spot because even if Brady's good, there's going to be people who don't like him and they're going to look at Greg Olsen. They're going to say, I love Greg Olsen. And where he's put himself and where he's going to be going forward is there's going to be jobs over the next 5, 10, 15 years, uh, top jobs that Greg Olson is in position for. And I think he's going to only going to grow in popularity. Uh, I do think at the moment, we'll get into it in a second, that Brady is going to do it. Uh, but he might not do it forever. Is he going to do it for 10 years? I'm not sure about that. So Olsen, he could stick at number two and, and wait for Brady, but other jobs may become available. And I think when you look at it, uh, he's in a very small class of ex-players and coaches who, if these top jobs for game analysts, the ones that are paying so much money, the $37.5 million for Brady, $18 million for Romo and Aikman, Greg Olson, Travis Kelsey, 
possibly Sean McVay and Mike Tomlin if they stop coaching. Those are the people that would most likely be at the top of the list of executives if they're going to fill those positions. So I think, yes, yeah, there's a little bit zigging where everyone's zagging. I think Olsen, it's going to be a big year for Olsen uh, because the backup quarterback, especially one who's already been successful, is the most popular person in the business or on a football team. And I think Greg Olsen is going to be there. So he gets my who's up for 2024. I think we have, you buried some big news in there. I think you low-key have a big change in the Brady meter, exclusive to the Marchand Oran Sports Media podcast, is as a Brady meter change. You said that you think oh, well, he's going to do it. Topic. Let's, let's save it for the first, the first topic is Tom Brady as we look towards 2024. So let's save the Brady meter for the, uh, for the first topic. Awesome. All right, I'm going to go with who's down. My who's down is Richard Clark. Uh, back in November, he was named the executive director of the college football playoff. The top item on his to-do list, find a media deal to pay for the CFP expansion. And the bad news is that his timing stinks, Andrew. The market for sports rights right now is as tight as I've ever seen it. Uh, we're not seeing the bubble burst for the biggest leagues like the NFL or the NBA, but this tightening marketplace directly led to the implosion of the Pac-12, a Power 5 conference. It's the reason that MLS essentially left TV outside of a small deal with Fox. Legacy media companies, they're losing subscribers, they're tightening their belts, and the big digital players, they've remained totally disciplined in their approach. They're, they're not getting involved in any of these bidding wars. So as Richard Clark tries to find bidders to take a couple of early round CFP games over the next few years, I can tell you there's not a lot of interest. ESPN holds rights to the semis. It holds rights to the championship game for the next two years. And I can't see any of the legacy media companies or any of the digital ones wanting to pay to grab any of the early round games over the next two years, especially if they're not going to get a semi or, or, or one of the finals. So another easy prediction for 2024 ESPN is going to strike a deal to carry those those early season games for the next two years. And what happens after the ESPN deal ends? You know, that's still two years away. Everything is changing so fast. Does the market get better? Are, 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 do legacy media companies, are they going to start to spend to try, try to get sports rights again? It's, it's uh, way too early to make that prediction. My who's down is Kevin Brown, Orioles Ke broadcaster no, on ESPN. No. Always who's up on this show. <laughs> First off, let me state, I think Kevin Brown does a very good job. Uh, that's number one. But number two, John Oren, as you know, you'd probably know if you're listening, uh, announced last week that he's going to puck. Uh, so the, you know, our partnership is in TBD mode. Um, and so this is a big negative for Kevin Brown because John, uh, unfortunately for the podcast, you know, Pretty much what most people said, this is the biggest negative of the podcast, talking about the Orioles all the time, <laughs> always talking about Kevin Brown. Uh, and so uh, for Kevin Brown, that's a tough blow uh, with John. I think you're taking like a month hiatus uh, here in January and then off the puck. And so uh, for the pod, um, bad news for Kevin Brown is John Oran uh, flees. Kevin Brown ratings are going to remain through the roof in the Oran household. Uh, over the next year, probably two, as long as Adley Rushman is on the team for for for, for, for that long at least. Right, let's move to the topics. Topic number one: Tom Brady. The Brady meter. Let's hear it. master of the board, Chris Mason. 
Andrew, in your Who's Up, you said that Tom Brady almost certainly is going to do at least one year, maybe two. Does that mean the Brady meter has moved yet again? Number one, let me say, the Brady meter, until it's at 100, and that means he's doing the game, the Brady meter is still in play. But the Brady meter at this point, 79%. Oh, wow. And rising. I believe uh, the last the Brady meter was at uh, in the mid-50s, if, if I recall. Maybe 60s, but yeah. All right. I think maybe 64. That's a big jump. That is People a big keep jump. keep track of this. But now it's at 79%. Uh, I think Brady is studying up on uh, broadcasters, seeing how they do things, what he likes, what he doesn't like. What also has been noticeable uh, is how active and critical he's been on social media in terms of talking about the sport, which does not uh, indicate someone who is shrinking away from the idea of calling games. I think Brady at the moment uh, appears as if he's going to do it, uh, and he's going to be one of the bigger topics going into the NFL season because he's considered the greatest of all time, uh, and now he'll be in a broadcast booth. So I always say this. I don't really like to judge anyone before they actually do the job. I don't think that's fair fully. That said, um, we do have our opinions. Will he be good? Will he not be good? Uh, what says you? I think he's going to be an excellent analyst in, in the booth. He's somebody who, during his whole career, uh, studied the, the game. So he knows the games very well. You think about Tony Romo when he first came out and was able to predict plays because he, he played against all those defenses. Like Brady's going to be able to do that and then some because he, he puts in that work and has his entire career. And he's already very good on, on social media. He's very good in interviews. I would be really surprised if he comes in and is a sort of a bland replica of, of himself. So my Brady meter on whether he's good or not, I would put it way high. I think he's going to be very, very good in the booth. What's fortunate for Brady, and I've said this before, is he's going to be working with Kevin Burkhart. And Burkhart is unselfish and wants to make his analyst look good, uh, which is really important. When you talk about any ex-athlete, if you t if you ask me what the most important thing for success is, that may be number one. You know, you need good producing. Uh, you need this, the natural ability and the want to do it. So it probably starts with, that's probably one is, is what, you know, your self-motivation and, and how badly you want to do it and, and what you have to say and personality, et cetera. But the, the other criteria and the other, you know, of utmost importance is your producer and your play-by-player. And they have a good, strong team at Fox overall from producing from Brad Zeger, the executive producer, to their crew there, which includes the two Richies, Zions, and Russo. He's going to have a good support team, uh, which is going to be really important. And I think that will really help him uh, be successful uh, because they're going to try to make you know him successful and teach him what to do and what to say and how to get in and how to get out. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. Uh, it's going to be interesting. There'll be columns written off the first game he does. Uh, I think he'll be maybe the most scrutinized analyst of all time. Uh, and you just look back, you know, I make the point, I would say Summerall, like I say Al Michaels is probably the best ever because like Summerall, as great as he was, um, kind of a systems quarterback a little bit because if he wasn't with Madden, huge personality, um, you know, build in a lot of very colorful um, Summerall style. If he's doing the fifth game, I think people would be like kind of boring. 
you know, but in, in I, I don't know, Andrew, you're, you're showing your age. Don't you remember Pat Summer on Tom Brookshire? They, they, they were the num number one uh, crew on CBS for, for my whole, whole childhood, just about. I mean, Summerall was an elite play-by-play -play person even, even before Madden came there. I'm not taking anything away from Pat Summerall. I just think a little bit of a systems guy because he had Madden. And it was a perfect team like that. It's like Montana and Rice. That was a perfect combination or Belichick and Brady. Like I, as you know, player and coach, I don't think you're really, I'm not really taking anything away from him. I just think if Summerall had a different analyst, he may not have been as great. He did the most Super Bowls along with Al Michaels, 11 Super Bowls. Summerall is great. I'm not saying he's not, but I just think if you look at like him compared to Michaels overall, uh, Michaels, uh, showed an ability to do it with different partners. Um, and I just think that uh, Summerall was helped a lot by Madden. And Madden was helped. My point was actually, for of course you twisted it, was that uh, <laughs> was that Madden uh, and Summerall worked together and Summerall created that space that others might not have. If right. a play-by-play -play person, and I, I could name names, would have wanted to you know, be the center of attention, Madden, it would have been tough because then you're fighting for airtime and Summerall was just willing to just say a little thing, have a quip here. And it was excellent. And obviously had the voice that was uh, tremendous. So I want to go back to your who's up, uh, which was, which is Greg Olson. Uh, there are only so many elite analyst positions in the NFL. He is obviously capable of being an elite analyst in the NFL. Where is he most likely to wind up in your opinion? Yeah, I'm not going to give story ideas to people. Um, I think there's a couple of places, though, if you look at it. I, I think you can make an argument uh, over the next five, six years, there could be changeover at every place. If you look at the contracts and how things are uh, shaking up, I, th I think there could be change. I really do. I think you could make a case that, again, it might not happen that way. Uh, you know, before we just had this explosion, you know, a year ago, uh, there weren't changes for a long time. But I, I think there will be opportunities um, and he's well positioned. He's not even 40 yet. And you're talking about uh, these jobs where he's already making $10 million a year. And you know, he's not going to get 37 and a half ever. He might never get 18, but to get from anywhere from 10 to $20 million to work half the year, uh, one day a week games. And, you know, obviously a lot goes into it. Um, and it's hard. Like, I, I will say this, like calling the NFL and calling play by play, that's probably the hardest job in sports casting you know, football might be the hardest uh, i'd have to really put more thought into it but uh he he's been able to do it and it, you know he and burkhart they've they've seamlessly uh succeeded uh buck and aikman let's go uh andrew to number two our favorite topic i think this has been a topic for the past eight shows at least maybe, maybe even more nba media rights deal but let's do it a little bit differently because we're what what we've been talking about is where they are right now in December. But come June of 2024, when the deal is done, what say you? Who Who's going to be the last ones left standing for that deal? I mean, I just did Sports Clicker 2.0 uh, for New York Post Sports Plus, uh, which is like a mock draft for uh, for this stuff. And so I'd say right now, Tuesdays belong to Turner during the regular season. Thursday belongs to Amazon after the NFL ends. Uh, then ESPN has the biggest package still uh, with the NBA finals. Uh, and then they don't do Wednesdays anymore. Uh, try to get more marquee games. Uh, and then uh, this is the wild card. 
I'm right now putting NBC in there. I think they're going to need, if they want to get to the money that they want, they're going to need four entities. Uh, and so I have NBC getting in there. I think Adam Silver and the NBA uh, are nostalgic uh, with NBC. They have some long-term relationships with NBC. And I think the idea of having broadcast, if that's NBC getting a finals, NBC getting a conference finals, um, I do think uh, the idea of being on broadcast is very appealing to the NBA going forward. Um, but I think all those places want to be more disciplined. So it could be interesting. Um, I know you've put Google YouTube as a possibility. Apple has been trending the wrong way, could change. You know, there's always U-turns in these things. Um, and we're a long way from a decision, from a full decision. So, so things do change. But right now, that's what I would say. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I think Amazon, I think it's going to go to one streamer. Amazon's going to be that streamer. It's going to be on Thursday nights. Uh, with Amazon. Uh, a quick little uh, prediction here. Um, you know how Amazon uh, for their Thursday night football works with NBC and NBC helps uh, to, to, they have Fred Goodelli and they help to pr produce those games. Look for Amazon and, and Warner Brothers Discovery to get together. So, so Warner, they can share uh, production, perhaps mm. even share talent uh, in, in some cases, but that would be like the, the Tuesday, Thursday piece. ESPN, really wants to keep the finals. Uh, the idea of uh, uh, doing alternate finals with NBC is something that they don't want to have. So I'm going to make a prediction that NBC is going to be on the outside looking in because I think ESPN is going to pay up enough in order to control all aspects of the finals and, and one of the uh, the conference finals. And I Do you think only three places. I think only three. I think your point is good. In order to get the more money, you're going to have to get more partners but all of a sudden, if ESPN has to start sharing the finals, like does that money come down a little bit? That's a, Obviously, it has to go up when you do the equation. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're I, a master negotiator, from what I understand, and so uh, <laughs> you know how that works. So, uh, if they were to lose a finals and then NBC adds in a finals, then the numbers would have to be higher to have four entities absolutely but and, and so my prediction is that it will say three packages and it'll be uh turner uh warner brothers discovery amazon and espn and and, and nbc wants it i think nbc is going to make a big run for it but i think that they're going to be boxed out by uh espn and then the streamers we have a thing at the streamers at the end here but do you have when you rate the other streamers as the wild cards right apple netflix google youtube Give me the order right now where you see them in terms of potentially getting involved. For the for the NBA, I would yeah. I would rank Netflix uh, at the bottom of that. Uh, I did the story uh, way way back when that they had very early talks with the NBA about possibly the in season tournament and they were going to create something around that. That those talks haven't gone anywhere, uh, and it, it's unlikely that that uh, Netflix is going to be part part of these live rights uh, negotiations. Uh, Apple is intriguing because of the worldwide aspect of Apple. Could uh, the NBA say, we'll give you worldwide rights on Friday nights, and then you can put it in China, you can put it in Russia, you can put it in every single market in the world via the Apple device or Apple TV Plus. Uh, that I think that's unique. Really, the wild card that I'm trying to keep my eye on is Google YouTube. They love their Sunday ticket deal. Uh, they're they're starting to get addicted to sports in the same way that legacy media companies have been, uh, and I think that they are there's somebody just to keep an eye on. So I would put them right under Amazon. That has already shown that they they like sports. 
they value sports and they're willing to uh, to pay for sports, even if they have remained disciplined. Would you agree with those rankings? Uh, yes. Um, you said them so like backwards that I can't even, I couldn't follow it fully. Okay. So, so number one, my one. number one is Amazon. Yeah, Google, YouTube's one. No, oh, no Amazon, Amazon number Obviously, one. Amazon, we already have them. I'm saying of those other ones. Amazon, yeah. we still, we both Google, agree. YouTube, Apple, yeah. Netflix Apple. in that order. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You, you got that one. Wait, we're correct, supposed to I disagree, I thought. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I disagreed when you reported Netflix and I said, oh, that sounds like. I, I, all I reported was that they talked. That's all I reported. I didn't say they were doing right. the deal. The internet takes as a done deal. <laughs> aggregators. Can we put aggregators <laughs> well, no, as another does. <laughs> I mean, we just, If you talk to somebody, deal's done. I mean, it's good to get reporting done. I'm not saying this. I'm saying this in general. It's good when you have something early, but and you you your, your reporting was was fine and good. I mean, you, you didn't say anything was you said they talked. But they're going to talk to everybody. That's the one thing. I do want to be clear about that. That that story was it was more than like oh they they, they talked. I, I I went through what Netflix's pitch was, which is sort of like and, and and so sports leagues. It was important to them to know that in addition to live rights, they want to do the the you know the the documentary style programming that Netflix has become known for around that. And so the pitch is not just we're going to do your games and we're we're going to go to 200 million subscribers or whatever the Netflix uh, subscriber number is. It is a, we're going to do it. And then we're going to do shoulder programming around it beyond pre and post game shows or beyond. So like studio shows. Okay. Fair enough. All right. That's going to be interesting to see how uh, that works out. Let's move to topic three ESPN. This is a double topic direct to consumer also ESPN's new partners. Where do you want to start there, John? Yeah, I I didn't want direct-to-consumer on this uh, final show. Uh, anyway. yeah, by the way, yeah, where's my steak dinner? I don't you know. Pay up? Don't we have to have the pod going to, for, for you to have the, t- the steak dinner? <laughs> Look at you. Look at you trying to... to, to let me, to let me talk, to, let me talk to my lawyers first. I... <laughs> <laughs> lawyers are involved. Every look, lawyers are involved. You lost. Do you admit you lost? I, I No, no, no. Until it actually happens, I will say this. Okay. I, uh, I, I had this nugget the other day in my newsletter there's a chance it could happen in 2024 i, I still think 2025 but there's a chance it could happen in 2024 put that in your first puck article as, as you're right, a, as a Reddit, soft the log. new york post <laughs> i still I, I i still don't know how they can do it with uh with, with the cable operators they have to do new deals with like the, the direct tv and, and and with charter and it's it's a it's a i'm still saying 2025 just but again Look, it's, it's looking like it's going to be 2024 is in play at the end of 2024 is in play. Most likely, I'd still say 2025 and most likely going to cost 25 to 30 dollars initially. 25 to 30. That's what that, that's month. the number that you're having for what? For ESPN? For ESPN, the, the mothership. And let's just show everyone listening. It would still be available on cable. No, no, no. But, but, but what's the, what, 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 what is the mothership? Is that ESPN? You that's ESPN everything. News? You get all the ESPN. You get everything from ESPN. Uh-huh. Twenty five to thirty dollars per month. Uh-huh. And and does I it, mean they're still doing like this is this is in flux. Yeah. So one of those things where it's in flux. But right now I'd go twenty five to thirty dollars per month. That's a little bit lower than I was expecting. Like I, I thought that there it was going to be uh, priced in the thirties or in the forties. And they'll raise it after. They'll get you in and they'll raise it after. Yeah. I'd yeah. probably go a little bit lower. Personally, I'd probably go like nineteen ninety nine. I get it. You could argue that devalues what you have, but I just think you want to get as many people under the ten. We just saw. And they like, just all. I mean, the, the whole thing. They just opened up the ESPN's books. They the the cable channel still brings in 
billions of dollars yes. in profit. It's like I've been telling you for a year that they they're gonna say I, I that the ESPN when they open up the books, it's like yeah, everyone would take those books. Like they're they're making a lot of money. In yeah, it. and, and, and it's, it's not as much as they were, and it's going they're a little bit the wrong direction. But the idea that ESPN is not well positioned, I think, is not a Again, it depends what you mean. Like, are they going to be as dominant as they once were? I mean, basically, every media company is not as dominant as they once were. The digital players, which we're going to talk about, those are the most, they have the most money by far and can do whatever the heck they want in this world and basically run the world now from Apple to Amazon to Netflix, those type of companies. The long-term places like Disney and ESPN, they're trying to figure it out. But to think that they're not well-positioned, I think, again, they have to make a lot of good decisions, but if they make the right decisions, they're going to be just fine. Again, maybe not as dominant, but just fine. I don't know if if what I said made it sound like they're not well positioned. Of course, they're well positioned. They they they're the you know most watched uh, cable TV channel uh, on on the dial. Like they they're the ones that can do it. I'm not I'm not sure if I see what the advantage is to be a first mover in in this case in terms of like just taking the channel to, uh, direct to consumer. But uh, Bob Iger, since he's been back, has been all over. Uh, direct to consumer and and uh, and wants to wants to own that. So that, that that's uh that's that's part of the strategy there. And it does appear right now, like right now, if we were making the bet, I wouldn't be making the bet. So it, it does appear that I will be losing the the bet. I think from show number one on on when they're going uh, direct to consumer. Uh, uh, but I'm still holding out that maybe it, maybe at some point they're going to say. Let's protect these this billion, the two or three billion dollar profit that we're getting from the the cable channels over here instead of. Do you take the puck job to so you could cover your gambling debts? <laughs> ESPN partners, uh, you know we've we've reported this and they they you know a lot of people have in the media in terms of they want to have partners, two partners. Um, I think is what they want. Uh, I think ideally it could be a digital player and maybe one of the leagues. Uh, it also could be a digital player and a mobile company. But I think right now, I think they, if they could do it, you know, they'd want to do a digital company, um, you know, these Apple, Amazons, et cetera. And then one of the leagues get um, a relationship where they're partners with one of the leagues. What do you think? Right now, if I'm going to make a prediction, uh, I don't think they're going to get anybody that, uh, this year in 2024. Bob Iger and CNBC sort of started walking back, selling you know the the entertainment assets. Uh, started walking back a little bit uh, the, the the need for to partner up on ESPN. Um, I don't think the leagues uh, see any benefit getting involved with with ESPN uh, in, in a financial uh, decision. They've of course all talked to ESPN about this because perhaps they can work out a better deal from it. Uh, and we've talked about this before, you know, the idea of Apple investing in ESPN, Apple can buy and sell Disney a couple times over. Like, I don't see you that. love saying that. I, know. I, I think that would have been like a drinking game throughout the whole pod as many times as you said that, like you'd be drunk. What's about that or, uh, or Adley Rushman? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But- Adley Rushman. Oh, then you'd be, yeah. Adley Rushman and saying Apple could buy and sell. And also your other thing was Amazon. Like should have like the Super Bowl. They should own everything. It's a like three the trillion dollar company, Andrew. It's a three trillion. It takes time. Oh it takes time. It takes time. Oh, These geez. things just happen in a second. <laughs> Let's not get into that one. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I I just don't see the momentum right now for uh for for ESPN adding a a a, a new partner um uh, financially one or two. Uh, I know they've looked. They've talked to a lot of people, but uh, I'm skeptical about it happening. What say you? Yeah, I don't think they're in a rush. I think it was important that Iger recently said that they don't necessarily need a partner. I think that probably 
makes it so like setting the groundwork. So if it doesn't happen, uh, they could just go it alone. And I think they could go it alone uh, because their ESPN here, it's programming, right? That's what ESPN has. And you're leasing this programming. And we can talk about the Stephen A. Smiths and the Pat McAfee's and the Van Pelts, et cetera. Um, and they're important. But you're talking about the games they own. That's where the value, the major value is. Um, and you look at their portfolio and it's uh, the best one of anyone. Like Fox Sports has a great portfolio. Uh, NBC and CBS have a lot of tremendous events. But in terms of depth and the vastness and top quality, uh, they have it all, especially since they've added a Super Bowl now or two Super Bowls in this coming package over the next decade. It depends on what you're looking at from ESPN. Like the, the idea that ESPN is going anywhere, it's not. Um, the idea that, not that it was really comparable, even at one point it was, you go back to like the early to mid 80s, you know, SI, Sports Illustrated, was kind of ESPN's main competition, you know, big one of the biggest competitions and you kind of looked at and obviously if you just told somebody today, it's like that's almost hard to believe. But I don't see ESPN going like the way of SI, at least not for a long, long time, right? They are going to make a lot of money. They're well positioned. And when as we go through this transition, content becomes even more important. I mean, everyone's hurt in terms of your long-term um, media companies, you are, they're hurt by the digital world where people can reach basically the whole world direct to consumer it is almost zero in terms of distribution. And it used to be um, dating back to when the printing press was uh, invented. Uh, you know, only some people had the ability to uh, distribute. Now it's much easier, but they still have a huge head start with the amount of money they have and the amount of content. That's why they did that is $40 billion dollars plus worth of deals, you know, over the last five years. So then they had this war chest and it also boxed out Apple um, and it boxed out Amazon to a large degree. And so those places can only do so much. I don't know if those places want to be in uh, major sports on all levels. I think doing a, a agreement with ESPN makes some sense. I'm going to agree with you totally. Like, yeah, ESPN's not going anywhere. Uh, and I think ESPN could be in trouble if one of those $3 trillion companies decided that they wanted to go all in on sports, but, but they're not going all in on sports. What you're, what we're seeing with, with Amazon is that they're, they're doing Thursday night football. They're not, they're not coming in and trying to grab, they, they had the opportunity to get the Sunday ticket and passed on it. They, they're, they're not grabbing everything that's, uh, that's available to them. Same thing with uh, Apple. Apple's being very disciplined about doing that. So when they come in and do say a WNBA deal uh, as, as uh, Amazon did, it's for a, a, a select number of WNBA games. It's almost like an old time broadcast uh, TV uh, package. And then you have a company like ESPN and a brand like ESPN. We have kids. We, we know how strong that brand still is um, um, among, you know, uh, pe people my age and people my, my kids age. And uh, like th that's all that all that other content. Is uh, is there available for for ESPN backed by Disney? That, that like you said, they're going to have the Super Bowl. They're likely. I would be shocked if they don't have uh, the NBA Finals. You know, what, whether or not they share it is is an open uh, question. But they certainly will ha ha have that. The college football playoff. They have the championship games there. So yeah, the, is ESPN going anywhere? No, not no time soon. Of course not. John, let's move to topic. I guess this would be four because uh, ESPN was a double topic. RSNs, uh, Sinclair, 
I kind of feel like last podcast, do you want to do a who's down for Chris Ripley, who's the CEO of Sinclair, who you've uh, made the who's down, like he won the award for you. You just trampled on him th- throughout this podcast. In fact, I think he might be behind Puck hiring <laughs> to get you out of the podcast. How do we get him out of here? I will say this, uh, possibly my greatest ever prediction was my very first Chris Ripley who's down because that that train wreck of Sinclair buying the RSNs, then trying to like uh, talk, convince teams to let them pay less, taking and just essentially running the RSNs into into the ground is, uh, you know, we were on that, Andrew, from the very beginning. Uh, And I think, you know, when I uh, putting the RSNs on on the topic list, there is one thing I want to say, there is still a value to the local sports rights. The value probably isn't as big as it, as it used to be, but we've talked ad infinitum about the Diamond Sports Group, which is in bankruptcy. Uh, we talked a bunch about Warner Brothers Discovery Sports, which got out of the RSM business entirely. Uh, and so those are big stories, but what we really didn't spend a lot of time talking about are the NBC RSNs, which are profitable. Not as profitable as they used to be, but they're still profitable. We didn't spend a, a, a lot of time. You tried to because, you know, New York and all that stuff. But they're talking about the Yes Network or Nesson or the Dodgers Network or the Lakers Network. There are a lot of independent uh, regional sports networks that still are profitable, still bringing in a lot of money. Again, I'm not an ostrich. My head's not in the sand about this. There's a clear trend line of, of where this is going with cord cutting and subscriber numbers uh, that that are dropping. But the idea that the regional sports network business is totally imploding and that teams are going to all of a sudden be without RSNs this season, that's happening with Diamond. It happened with Warner Brothers, but it's not happening with with a a whole host of teams and RSNs that aren't affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery or with Diamond. So where's it go? What happens with this? What happens with this is that the um, uh, teams, uh, here's another drinking game. I think my bingo card is about to get filled, uh, but we interviewed uh, Adam Silver and he uh, he talked about all the teams had, had to be ready for pain because uh, the local, local media rights, which all these teams depend on, is uh, it's going to be rolled back. So, so when we talk about a bubble bursting, it is bursting in, in, in the uh, local sports marketplace. And so teams now have to figure out how to try to get that money back uh, to, to, to uh, RSN levels or, and, and a possible way is, you know, you have a lot of uh, local broadcast groups, scripts, next star, you know, they're, they're, they're coming in to, to try to buy rights So trying to get them on the cheap and they're not paying what RSNs are, but it is a way to sort of get that, get that money going. So there, there are avenues for people to watch your local uh, local teams, their their businesses to be had about doing that. Teams have to have to know across MLB, NBA, and the NHL that they're going to get less money over the next. You tell me how many years? Five years or so uh, m- moving forward, and and that's going to be a problem. That I think you're going to see a knock on effect of, with that, with player salaries, with uh, back office people that work for for teams and and, and leagues because that you know that, that's. Uh, local media revenue is uh, as a big contributor to uh, to to all those teams. 
Well, let's pull the streamers in, which we have as a topic. Let's pull them, pull them in right here. You know, when we were talking about the NBA and our predictions, I do think that solving the RSN issue could be a factor in the NBA talks uh, because you do have these problems. You do have ESPN wanting to be the solution. You have Amazon and Diamond Sports uh, with Diamond Sports, you know, looking for its lifeline. Uh, and then you have Apple uh, and could be there could be others as well who want to be a lifeline, direct to consumer, um, work with the leagues. And, and and that's where the value I mean, that's the major there is major value for the tonnage leagues, the Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL. You know, they're trying to plan that. And I do think they could become come into the national rights, because the other thing that could go away with the RSNs fading is that. The idea that, you know, there you can only have so many national windows because of the RSNs. So, you know, could the Lakers, especially when they're good with LeBron, be on even more? Um, because that's, you know, there's a lot of value in that. That It's like it's like having a series and like you're, you're adding another week of shows to that series instead of having, I think it's like 17 games I could have now. You know, maybe you can get up to 30 uh, and then they have like an RSN kind of deal for the other 50. Um, and so... I just think there are a lot of factors, and I think the streamers could be. And when I call when I talk about streamers, you can talk about Peacock as well. Paramount and CBS right now they're not involved in the NBA um, and don't appear to be, but they could all you know want a component. Like we talked about NBC earlier, yeah, NBA wants the uh, broadcast side of it, but NBC is going to want the Peacock side of it, so they're going to want a Peacock element. I think like you look at the Big Ten deal that you know Fox orchestrated um, with all the networks. But you look at what they did in basketball uh, with the Big Ten, um, what Peacock did, and that's kind of an underrated part of it. Now, they put a big number up there, and those Saturday games, especially this year, I think they'll improve next year, weren't great. And I don't think they probably were thrilled with that schedule. Uh, but, you know, with the expansion, there should be more good games. And NBC picking, I think, fourth each week or third, you know, third or fourth each week uh, could get better games going forward. But Peacock, I mean, they had number one versus number three the other day. Uh, on Peacock and you know yeah you you old man complained about you know having trying to find who's these down things. Rick Cordella was my who's down absolutely but did you hear from Rick uh I, I heard from NBC yeah okay and what happened uh, oh, they just they, they just noted that they heard that's all I th- they yeah. just called they just called yeah. to congratulate me on puck that's all oh that was nice, nice. <laughs> say, think yeah, the thing about the podcast too, people should know. When we first started doing like who's up, who's down, John was like, would be like, who's down? Like Dan Masonson, great guy, NBC. You put him as a who's down. I'm like, what do you, people care about that? No, nope. does a great job, hard worker, and you had to throw him under the bus. I know you did it like you're going to say like it was like nice, and you're kind of kidding. No, around. I was, no, that wasn't nice. Uh, Dan Mason was who's down. I, I just explained this to uh, to so, somebody. Uh, who shall go uh, unnamed, but was a who's down within the past two months. You get street cred for who's down. Nobody wants to be who's up. That's like a brown nose to be who's up. You want to be who's down. You totally want to be who's down on this pod. I mean, Chris Mason, uh, please, master of the board, can you give me something this with him being nuts? <laughs> you want to get nuts? 
Come on, let's get nuts. Well, you're crazy. That Nobody has been, wants to be that has been my. That it's has like been getting, my. Back in the day, Rudy Marsky had the dreaded oops. It's like saying, "Ooh, I want to have the dreaded oops" because I get in USA Today, you know, the big media column. <laughs> no, that's, but see, this is good. It's free cred. It's it's totally my pitch, and people have bought into it. So don't kill me on this, Andrew. Come on. I need names, all right, even off air of uh, you okay. selling ice cubes uh on you know the north pole there <laughs> whatever they, they bought that somebody bought that you really want to be who's down i i you know in my mind i believe that they all bought that yeah okay fine yeah. There you that's right, how i that's here? how i sleep at night i just want to add one final thing to to your point uh fanatics by the way you know it's mm. somebody that's a streamer that's been kicking the tires i don't know how serious they are they don't appear very serious right now but it, it's also potential companies that aren't necessarily media companies that that, that could be circling uh, on these. Uh, but the one th- the one thing the one message to fans is that if you're a fan of these teams, you're going to be able to watch the games. It's it's going to be great for you. You're going to be able to watch the games exactly how you used to, or you can get them direct to consumer. There are going to be more w- ways for you to 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 watch these games. We had Rob Manfred on as a big get. He talked about blackouts and getting rid of the blackouts. Uh, NBA always talks about that. So the blackouts, which are RSN created um, um, system because they're paying a lot of money for these rights and they, they don't want anybody encroaching on these rights. As RSNs give up of that exclusivity, the blackouts are going to go away. So so the fans complaints about blackouts are, are going to be up. So everything is chaos right now. And the teams are going to be losing some money, but for fans, there's going to be more ways for you to, to watch uh, to watch all these games moving forward. All right. Well, John, listen, it's been my pleasure doing the podcast with you. Uh, we don't know exactly what the future holds. Uh, there, we don't even know exactly yet in terms of next week. Uh, we're, we're figuring everything out. If we do have it, I do have a guest host that is a. Um, Pretty good broadcaster, maybe one of the top broadcasters in the business lined up uh, to replace you as the first guest host. Um, But don't know if we can. He's on. He's doing it. But uh, I'm not sure we can have the same rate that he gets from ESPN for Monday Night Football. Oh, Uh, what a disgusting event. (laughs) What does that mean? Wasn't was that what he said when uh Randy lost? Yeah, I I think it was disgraceful. Yeah, so Joe Buck, but we're not sure. I'll tweet it out. What's going to happen? Things, you know, John uh, just uh, hightailed it. And so we're still trying to figure out everything um, in terms of what's next. I want to be uh, very sincere uh, about this, Andrew. Like the, the pod has been a highlight of my career. I, I, I can't believe how much fun I've had. I've had doing this for the past uh, two plus years uh, and, and uh, just doing it with you. It's, it's been a hoot. I've enjoyed literally you can tell how many how many uh, weeks I took off, and uh, and uh, you can decide from that how much I enjoyed this. I love doing this pod. It's, it has been a total labor of love, and it's been a been a lot of fun. Uh, I would be remiss because it's uh, I'm heading over to Puck. I would just be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, give my eternal thanks to the master of the board, Chris Mason. I was on uh, early you were a little bit late and a little prima donna on on my final show andrew coming on so i was talking to chris and he is the easiest person to work with and he is very good at what he does and that is a that's an incredible combination uh to have uh ac wyatt also uh you know sbj is so lucky to have ac wyatt he he, he was at uh, espn 
for a long time and the videos that that uh you know what he puts in it gives SPJ a really a sort of professional quality uh for for its videos and I'm hugely grateful to AC and then uh the the only other person I want to shout out I don't I'm not, not going to go on for for long I, I you know how I hate to name names like you know Terry Left and yeah. Michael Smith and you know and that type of stuff yeah, but uh, going down, uh I uh A Madcorp my boss for uh, 18 years. At, uh, he's a guy that hired me at SBJ. He was my first editor at SBJ. I, uh, uh, he came to me with the idea of the podcast. He was a totally supportive of the podcast. He is somebody who's a really, he's a great friend uh, and, uh, and uh, we love each other. And uh, it's, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Abe on that. So it's a, uh, after 18 years, it's hard to leave uh, SBJ. It really is. Uh, I'm looking forward to puck uh, opportunities at puck, but uh this has been a hoot, man. Yeah, I want to concur on all those because um, I was going to say something about Chris, AC, and Abe. Uh, they put that together. Also on the post side, you know, Chris Shaw and his whole team. Chris Shaw is the executive sports editor. He's the one who came to me and said, would you want to do a podcast with John uh, back uh, a couple of years ago now? Uh, so, you know, that has been a very fun and good pairing, and I've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, John's uh, a great guy, and that's – um very important when you work with somebody, uh, you know, how they are uh, on the podcast and off the podcast. So I feel like we only did this for two years, so I can't go overboard. I mean, it's been very nice. Some of the responses we've gotten, we had the hundredth show. All of you guys are like, let's do a whole like celebration. I'm just like, no, nah, that's not for, that's not for me, but <laughs> you guys can do a celebration. I, mean, I don't know. Like some of these radio stations or ESPN, sometimes they celebrate every five seconds and it's just sort of like, all right, enough about you. But, um, but in all sincerity and, you know, the people you mentioned, people I mentioned, there's more we could mention um, who who are involved. Uh, but, uh, John, I appreciate uh, every week, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with Puck, and we'll see what's uh, what happens down the road. All right, let's get to the bloopers, Chris Mason. Thanks for listening. Wait, just you on here? This is my last one. I thought, like, we'd have a whole, like, uh, like filled, filled room for this, Chris. They can't wait to get rid of me. I don't want this on the uh, on the bloopers personally, but um, so please don't use this. You cannot control Chris Mason, the master of the yeah, board, yeah. Andrew. And now my printer is not working, which is very frustrating. So it makes it more difficult to do this. Give me one second. I want to try to get that to work. Just trying to hold on to what we've had. You do topic number one, and then Chris, you okay. come in with the Brady meter. Um, All right. Uh, well, I think you should say it though. I, no. I, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's. All right, why don't I say topic number one, then you say the Brady meter. All right. Really, really, now, last podcast, we really have it down. Can, let me get my, my uh, rundown. Print it out. I, I printed out 30 so we can sell them. There's like 15 rundowns here. Because my printer didn't work. And I tried to print it out like 10 times. Y'all can sign them and then put them on uh, eBay. We'll sign them. <laughs> we'll devalue the paper.